Matt Whitaker, former U.S. Acting Attorney General. This is such a great conversation about America, our future, what's going to save our republic. We have a great football player. Matt Whitaker is here. Matt. They tried to bury me. They didn't realize I was a C. Former Acting U.S. Attorney General. Under President Trump. I'm going to be an unwavering supporter of law enforcement. Welcome to Liberty and Justice with your host, Matt Whitaker. All right, welcome to Liberty and Justice. I have my good friend, Senator Chuck Grassley, on with me. Uh, good to see you, Senator. Uh, glad to see you, and thank you for your past public service. And I know you're in business, too, doing well, and a good lawyer. So whatever you want to talk to me about, I'll be glad to talk to you. Well, you know, we have a lot to talk about. Um, I know one of the things that right now you're really uh, working hard on is your NOPEC bill. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about that and what people should know? Okay. Well, it's a, it's a uh, very much a bipartisan bill between Klobuchar and Grassley. And uh, the, most of the complaints you hear about big tech deal with censoring. Oh, she said I got the wrong, the, the wrong bill. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Oh, no this is, uh, the, I'm sorry. The, I thought you said yeah, big tech. So nope. uh, do you want to... I want to talk about that, too. So I said NOPEC. I'm sorry. Yep. My okay. fault. Yes. So here we are, NOPEC. Uh, the bill's been around since uh, the president was a senator, and he said it was a good idea. And uh, it's even something that I think President Obama said we ought to do. And, uh, and then you're hearing this administration saying that they need to sue OPEC, because NOPEC is a play on the words of OPEC, yep. uh, that they need to be sued as violating the antitrust laws. So the bill that I've been a co-sponsor of for a long time, but the main sponsor of since 2017, has gotten out of committee now, and it uh, is a response to everything that OPEC's been doing over the last uh, decades, but more importantly right now, uh, getting attention because uh, OPEC reach an agreement that they're going to uh, cut back on the uh, on the pumping of oil by about two million barrels a day which is going to drive up the price in the United States and it's going to make Biden look really ridiculous because two months ago he was there uh, in Saudi Arabia begging them to send us more and obviously he's doing uh, they're doing just the opposite so this would allow the uh, the uh, uh, bringing to court in the United States OPEC for violating the antitrust laws because they're nothing but a monopoly. There are a whole bunch of companies and a whole bunch of countries uh, working together to drive up the price and that's uh, just uh, very clearly a violation of antitrust laws. So we hope to get it passed uh, by doing it this way. Uh, uh, first of all, it's a bipartisan bill First of all, it got out of Judiciary Committee on very much a bipartisan vote. And now, because of the recent actions of Saudi Arabia, it looks like Schumer, the majority leader, and uh, Durbin, the person that runs the defense bill, is really ready, ready to put it as an amendment uh, to the uh, defense uh, authorization bill, which will be up in November. Yeah, and I, I think that bill is so important, and you're right, they are absolutely violating 
the antitrust laws, and, and I know that we, when I was at the Department of Justice, talked about this bill, and you, you know, emphasized, I think back in 2018, we probably talked about it, and you said how this was an important bill. Is there, um, you know, how, I, 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 I was dabble a little bit into politics, and that is, is you know, these, this, this energy policy of the Biden administration where they don't want to exploit American natural resources just seems like a very um, short-sighted, um, you know, play. Do you, do you have any uh, idea what they think they're trying to do or how, yeah. how they, you know, how they hope to, you know, supply our energy needs to make sure we're competitive as a country? They're hoping to have everything but alternative energy. Uh, they don't want any fossil fuels whatsoever. It's a religion to them, uh, and uh, they, they are going to uh, change their mind, I think, at all. Maybe this next election may think, uh, make them think about uh, changing if Republicans will take over the Congress. Uh, maybe what's going on in Europe where they're going back to fossil fuels and maybe even doing some fracting. Uh, and uh, more reliance upon imported natu natural gas now that they aren't getting it from Russia. And the, the shortage of it and the price very high, uh, maybe we can learn something in the United States from Europe. Uh, Europe's even going back to uh, nuclear uh, energy, or at least extending uh, yeah. the period of time that they were going to wipe it out. And I think it brings us back to the idiocy of this administration's uh, energy policies. Uh, immediately on day one, they stopped the XL pipeline, then later on drilling, then later on more regulation on fracking, and then maybe at the same time tell the banks not to loan money to energy companies. So what do you get? You get uh, gas going up from $2.20 to now $3.69 in Cedar Falls, Iowa. No, three dollars and seventy-nine cents yeah. in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and uh, and then you, uh, like I said, they run to Saudi Arabia, and what does Saudi Arabia do? They put the thumb uh, in the eye of the president and cut back two million barrels, and we we can solve this problem by just reversing uh, this administration's energy policies that we just announced uh, four or five steps in it. And, uh, and go back to being energy independent instead of being energy dependent because on, August, on January 20th, 21, when this president was sworn in, sworn in we, uh, uh, we were energy independent. Yeah. Now, I know, Senator, you're getting around uh, the state of Iowa. You always do. You do your 99-county tour uh, every year. Uh, you set the gold standard for what's known as uh, the full Grassley, and you do it, uh, you have town halls everywhere. Is, is energy and gas prices one of the main things you hear from, from the people? Uh, absolutely, and it's a direct result of what you and I just talked about, this administration's right. energy policies. Uh, and remember, my opponent uh, in this election uh, thinks that, uh, in his own words, that Biden's doing a wonderful job, and I think you'd see him being a rubber stamp for the continuation of these idiotic uh, energy policies. And, uh, and they always want to preserve jobs in America. Just think of the jobs that will be lost if we don't mine coal, don't run oil wells, and everything that is uh, green energy and every electric, uh, every car being an electric car, and then going to Angola to get lithium or going to China to get 
products uh, to put in it. Uh, that's not creating jobs in America, and it's anti-American, and it's not putting America first. Yeah, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time, you know, obviously in my home state of Iowa, but also in Nevada and Missouri, uh, where we have a couple really competitive uh, open seats um, and in the Senate. And, you know, I hear the same issues uh, from those folks as I get around and campaign with Adam Laxalt and uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, both great, uh, great guys and, and going to be uh, ad- allies of yours in the Senate. Um, what, what are, other than energy, what do you hear um, from your town halls and from your, uh, your fellow citizens as you're getting around the state? I think two or, other three, two or three other things. Uh, but first of all, you just mentioned that you're going to these other states to help other candidates. Uh, you're doing the Lord's work, and I want to thank you for doing that. I wish I had time to do it myself. Well, you do it when you're not in cycle. I, I, nobody then, campaigns harder than Chuck Grassley. <laughs> I know, I know that because I've been with you. <laughs> well, sure enough, thank you. Anyway, uh, number one would be inflation. Uh, and remember, inflation was 1.4% when the president took office. It's 83 today, and maybe tomorrow we'll find that it'll be even more. But whatever the case, it's way too high. And uh, a lot of it is related to the energy policies. I think about half of the eight percentage points would be caused by the increased price of diesel and gasoline you put in your car. And don't forget every product you buy has been delivered on a truck probably, and they burn diesel, so you don't even see the the reason for high five dollar diesel uh, in your uh, in your cost of uh, eating and and what you buy uh, and one thing about the inflation is besides the energy policies the fact that the new Congress under Democrat control and Democrat president immediately uh, uh, disregarded. Uh, the advice of uh, some of the best economists in this country. They're very democratic, uh, Democrat economists, but Larry Summers is somebody respected. And he said in early January, before the president was sworn in, that uh, that uh, you've, the economy's turned around, don't spend any more money, you're going to feed the fires of inflation. So they didn't listen. They immediately appropriated another $2 trillion. And then in August of this year, another $714 billion. And then another $567 billion when they forgave uh, on forgiveness of student debt uh, and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, there's an old saying, if you're in a hole, quit digging. And they're still digging in and uh, don't seem to learn from their own economists. Uh, but uh, fighting uh, the inflation... Uh, my opponent said that Congress uh, can't do anything to fight inflation. Yes, we can. We can quit spending. That's going right. to help. At least it's not going to make the job worse for the Federal Reserve that has the major uh, goal, uh, the major goal and responsibility of keeping inflation under control and having price stability. And then, uh, uh, so let's see. I've named inflation, energy. The third one would be uh, not. Uh, 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 enforcing the law at the border. So maybe at my 99 county meetings, I get a very gruff person at the back of the room saying something like, when are you senators going to do something about the border? 
My answer yeah. is usually twofold. One, I'll vote to uh, finish building the wall, which the president stopped building the first day he was in office. And the second thing is to tell my constituents we already have laws on the books that uh, you can't enter our country without our permission. And uh, and but we don't enforce those laws. The president enforces those laws, and he's not enforcing them. So we have a situation where people just willy-nilly come into our country, almost invited in. Uh, you've even heard people cross the river, uh, interviewed on television, and say, "Why you're here?" Well, Biden told us to come here. Uh, so how do you blame the people that think they're coming here illegally because the president of the United States said so? and yet they're violating the law because the president's not enforcing it. So you get fentanyl coming across the border with them. And 200 Iowans died last year uh, from uh, fentanyl overdose. Uh, 70,000 Americans did. And then you have the situation where 846 people that cross the border die in the deserts of our southwest. And you have 78 people on the uh, terrorist watch list that we know about because they were arrested. And then you have criminals coming in and one of them murdered somebody in Texas and he had already been deported, come back to the country and murdered somebody uh, in Texas, I believe. And then you have women being raped on the way through Mexico to the border. And then you have human trafficking. And all these problems, uh, just because the president isn't enforcing the border. so. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take to get him to do it. The only thing you can do to a president not doing the job is impeachment. But uh, you're not going to get the votes to impeach him. So you just raise Cain about it, hopefully embarrass him, or hopefully the people uh, express their views through the ballot and put uh, put enough Republicans in Congress to, to stop these shenanigans. Yeah, those are really good points. And, you know, I was with... Um some of, uh, well, one of your possibly future colleagues, uh, Blake Masters down in Arizona um, on, I guess, uh, Monday of this week, and some other members of Congress, and Carrie Lake, who's running for governor, and we were all there at an event, and, uh, and uh, my good friend Chad Wolf, former DHS secretary, was there. And he said a couple things that struck me. As he said, you know, that the, the known or suspected terrorists you point out, those are just the ones that were dumb enough to get caught. You know, we, we have so many more uh, that potentially never were intercepted or never even known to come into this country. And the second thing is, you know, when we came in, there was a three million case backload, uh, backlog in the, in the immigration courts. We, got, we worked that down to 18 months backlog. Uh, under this administration, it's now up to six years, uh, that backlog in the immigration courts for all those asylum claims and, and everything that's encountered on the border. I don't know if we'll ever get through that. And you uh, and others uh, probably four years ago gave us more resources for the immigration courts. And so it's a really well, frustrating situation. I think several situation. areas of more resources, the one that you recently talked about, probably need to double the number of judges that we have for immigration cases. Uh, and I think that'd be a worthy thing to do. The other one would be, uh, if you don't want the Border Patrol to patrol the border, and they aren't doing it now, not because they don't believe in it, but they spend all their time processing the people that cross the border illegally, uh, they can't do the enforcement. So one of two things, either shut down the border, let them do their job, 
or else you increase the numbers probably by double. Yeah. Yeah, I know one of the things you mentioned at the, at, the, at the beginning that we didn't get a chance to explore because I was actually asking about something else um, uh, and my, my inarticulate nature um, didn't, ex the, your, your big tech regulation, uh, what you want to do on that, uh, how, how you feel yeah. about their current power um, in our lives and, and how we can get kind of that genie back in the bottle. Well, I think, first of all, we're going to talk about a Klobuchar-Grassley bill, a very bipartisan yep. bill that got out of committee on a bipartisan vote. But before I do that, uh, you would, uh, most of the talk in, among Republicans is doing something about the censoring of, uh, of political, certain political views, mostly conservative political views that they don't agree with because all of Silicon Valley is very liberal. Uh, but that seems to be the one that's most difficult to get a bipartisan agreement on. But uh, in my case, we're talking more about economic discrimination. So you, uh, Google, Amazon, other platforms have a lot of small business people uh, sell their products on those platforms. But uh, the Amazons and the Googles always prioritize their own products over that of small business. That's economic yeah. discrimination. And this bill that I just described to you uh, is, uh, to, uh, is to fight that economic discrimination. And that's good because I've heard horror stories of uh, companies that had a good product and it sold so well on those platforms that those platforms decided to start making a competitive product um, and, and, you know, essentially put them out of business or took away a lot of their uh, economic benefits. So I think that's a great bipartisan attempt to address that issue. Yeah, stealing people's intellectual property. Yeah, yeah, and, and hard work. Um, in the few, uh, I guess we got a, a few more minutes, but I want to talk about your reaction to kind of the current news cycle about the, you know, FBI, DOJ, uh, a Hunter Biden situation, the Danchenko trial. I know you're following it very closely and you've been, if there's one thing that you and I have talked about over the last 10 or 15 years, <laughs> it's the FBI and the Department of Justice. And uh, why don't you tell me kind of where you think it currently stands and, and kind of how we can address some of these challenges. Okay. I think they're ha going to have to be addressed within the bureaucracy. I don't see passing any more laws because we've got plenty of laws protecting whistleblowers. So mm -hmm. let me uh, be very clear that I started the Hunter Biden investigation August 2019, and the laptop wasn't even a, in anybody's vocabulary until maybe a couple months after that. Uh, and then uh, it carried over into the election and you know how that stuff went then. So uh, I'm going to continue the Hunter Biden investigation. I think I've given enough uh, uh, bank documents to show uh, the money they got from the Chinese business people, uh, whether that compromises the national security of the United States because the president may be compromised uh, I don't have enough evidence of that, but there's a lot of other people that are raising the same questions I'm raising about yeah. the conflict of interest. And then uh, in regard to uh, political bias within the FBI, uh, of course some of that goes way back to the uh, Clinton emails or maybe even further back than that. But let me uh, give you the most recent example that I exposed. Timothy Tebow, special agent in charge of uh, 
going ahead with investigations or stopping uh, people from starting an investigation. So just on a simple thing of, a, of a fuzzy newspaper reporting and maybe a nonprofit liberal organization, what they said, Timothy Tebow started an investigation uh, on Trump. And then there was some evidence of some criminality on the part of Hunter Biden, uh, and he uh, stopped that investigation from going forward. So bottom line of it is uh, that there's political bias in the FBI, and we should be able to, uh, to uh, have great confidence in the FBI, extraordinary confidence, but people don't have it. So the reason I say I don't know whether passing bills would do anything in this area, uh, you try to embarrass uh, the FBI into acting, but Christopher Wray, who quite frankly I like as an individual, but I don't know whether he's uh, capable of doing this, but uh, by the way, let me back up and say that when yeah. I did expose this thing about Timothy Tebow, he did take him off of that job, and eventually the guy left the FBI. But uh, in regard to uh, the political bias in the FBI, I've made the point that we ought to have the president or the uh, director of the FBI be very clear that uh, that he's got to have a program to show to the people of this country to reestablish the credibility and in the bottom line of it, uh, make sure that uh, that he's uh, going to root out that political bias. Yeah, and that's so important. And I think a, a lot of uh, a lot of these challenges also have been that they've promoted people um, too early. You know, they've they've they've, they've advanced people to management uh, positions that I think are just weren't ready, I'm hadn't sorry, had enough casework, and didn't have the judgment uh, and the, you know, the discretion that was necessary to make these important decisions when they affect politics. But we only have a couple minutes left, Senator. Um, my question for you is, uh, how is this year's farming going? Uh, on my farm, the harvest is moving along. I think we finished the beans this week probably 25 or 30 percent of the corn. Compared to last year, the yield this year is very, very good. Last year, I always put my rain gauge out May 1st, take it down October 1st, and uh, during that period of time last year, we probably only had about 12 inches of rain. This year, we had about 23 inches of rain, so that makes a big difference, particularly when you fa uh, farm sand like we do. And then uh, the, uh, the other thing is, that uh, Northeast Iowa tends to have that, uh, what I just described, pretty normal or above normal rainfall, where the other parts of the state are much drier, but that doesn't mean that there's drought there. But there is some places where there's very serious drought, Northwest Iowa and stuff, but the combines are running every day and the, the dust is flying, uh, all over the all over the state and things of that yeah. nature, and I think we're uh, all together. We're going to have a bountiful harvest, but about uh, uh, three percent less on soybeans than last year, and about uh, I don't know the percentage, but I think we had 15 billion plus corn last year, and it's going to be 13.9 billion this year. So that might be what 10 percent less. I think, yeah. and uh, prices are pretty good. 
but don't forget that uh, that uh, uh, prices are good, but fertilizers two, three hundred percent more. Five dollar diesel gas is just uh, it's just hard to believe that you're spending that kind to get the crop out. Uh, I I think it's going to be a profitable year, but not as profitable if if we hadn't had all this inflation. Well, so Senator Grasso, you're on the ballot uh, this this November. Uh, you're running for the U.S. Senate. Uh, you have uh, been just a warrior uh, for for many years. Uh, you know, fighting for your fellow citizens, and you just you know you come home every weekend. You're not a creature of D.C. In fact, my sense when I see you out there is you'd much rather be in Iowa. So it's very much. Uh, you are the citizen legislature that our founding fathers uh, certainly intended. Uh, you know, you continue to live and work in the community, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm proud to have you be my friend. I'm glad you joined us on the show, and uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you again soon uh, somewhere across our great state of Iowa. So thanks for being on our show. Well, I thank you, thank you very much for having me, and let me thank you for maybe a year ago for uh, saying that you were going to back me in my uh, campaign. And uh, if anybody that's on your podcast listening that wants to help me out, uh, grassleyworks.com. And I'd appreciate the help because uh, I, uh, did, I waited a long time to decide to run for re-election, so I missed four years and nine months of ability to raise money. And uh, so I missed out on... Uh, a lot of fundraising. Yeah, well, I will make sure to link that website in our show notes, grassleyworks.com. There's no doubt that Grassley works. Um, and I will encourage all of my friends and listeners uh, to do whatever you can, including donating hard-earned cash to Chuck Grassley's re-election. He does have an opponent. The opponent is up on TV. I saw the ads just this weekend when I was uh, back in Iowa. And so uh, grassleyworks dot com is the place to go to learn everything about Chuck and to support his campaign. So thank you so much for being with me. Thank you. Goodbye.